thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Niles, Michigan. Niles, Michigan is, we had a really good experience with early childhood education in Niles, Michigan. Uh, Personally, our family did. And we had a really good teacher, a couple of really good teachers, I should say, pretty good school, that sort of thing. But as with everything else, things start to change and we start getting real issues. Critical race theory is now creeping into the classroom at a very, very young age in Niles, Michigan. And joining us to talk about that is Clifton French from RealNewsMichiana.com, investigative reporter. What's up, Clifton? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well, Casey. How are you? I'm hanging in there. So, yeah, this one, I wasn't surprised, all right? I wasn't surprised to get it. Um, I know of one of the individuals that is in your report on this, and you've done a couple of different articles on what's happening in Niles. But this latest one, I mean, we're dealing with uh, microaggressions and things like that for first graders. And this is is obviously very concerning because most adults don't understand this, let alone a kid. Oh, no. I mean, like, you can just Google the definition of microaggression, right? Indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group. Um, so, for example, uh, I just, before you move on, I, I apologize. Just for example, like, if you were to say something like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, that would be a microaggression. That that is a, a little bit more than a microaggression. Oh, I think. that's an overt aggression. Okay, <laughs> that's, an, that's that's overt. What about all right? This has got to be a microaggression though. Um, what 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 is it? Uh, poor kids are just as smart as white kids. That that yeah, was another yeah. one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That, okay, that, all right, all right. I'm done. Actually, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's three o'clock. You wanted to come on early and I wanted to hijack everything. So, all right, go ahead. Uh, My apologies. You're good, man. So, no. So, I mean, really all this is, is, hey, I mean, this is, this is the conditioning of, of, of young children into being, okay, you are white. If, if you are a white child and you do anything that upsets somebody at all, um, just your skin color right there. Uh, is is racist that is causing um, causing trouble for a you know causing this this distress right mm-hmm. in a person of color or a marginalized person um, this can be anything you know a lot of these examples are a woman clutching clutching her purse or being in shock when she's getting on an elevator and there's a person of color on the elevator. Well, you know what? Maybe that woman was just surprised when the elevator door opened and somebody was on it. Um, I know I have stepped back a couple of times when an elevator opens up, right? Sure. I mean, it is just it is just doing these things. Say, okay, that was racist because of your skin color. Um, I right. know plenty of. I, I think it's just human nature to be surprised when you run into somebody unexpectedly. Uh, that kind of thing. Well, and there's normal human behaviors. I've I've kind of given examples from my youth, and you know, I used to dress a certain way, and older people didn't want to hang out with me. You know, it's that's they they would avoid mm-hmm. me. They'd walk across the street. It was because of how I presented myself. It didn't have anything to do with my skin color. But you know, there's all these examples. I, I, I told people before, and I think you've probably heard me talk about it. Driving while black on YouTube, and a lot of mm-hmm. those videos, they actually committed a traffic infraction. And, and it's not just, they weren't just pulled over randomly because of the color of their skin. They, they committed a traffic infraction. That's why they were pulled over. It has nothing to do with their race. 
they violated the law, they got a ticket or they got they got a warning or whatever it is. That's really all it is. But they justify it because if you're looking for racism, you can find it anywhere. If you're looking for bigotry, you can find it anywhere because instead of it just being a normal human behavior, suddenly it becomes targeted. Yes, exactly. I mean, and 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 so the re- the way that they're doing this is 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 also through different children's books, right? And then just con- <laughs> their, you know, everybody's been talking about porn in schools and all these inappropriate things that are in schools. It is getting younger and younger and younger. There are these children's books. Um, one of them, ten thousand dresses about a transgender child being misgendered, right? Which apparently is a is a is a microaggression now. Um, Don't touch my hair. Uh, is another book, another title of a book, um, you know, which should be good. It's talking about the natural hair of a, of a, of a black child, right? Okay. Great. Take, she, that child should be taking pride in their hair, but it's going on to admonish a child for having a natural curiosity about the differences of somebody else. So right? I remember being a child and seeing freckles on somebody. Yeah. You have a lot of freckles. Right. You know, uh, people that, rubbed that my head. Most of my my teenage years, everybody did because I shaved my head. So everybody would rub my head. They were all they want, wanted to touch my head. Is that a racist thing? No, talking about somebody's freckles is not a racist thing either. Mm. Uh, children having a natural curiosity about the differences of another child is not a microaggression. That is called learning. That is called naturally learning about life. But they're teaching this as racism. When we get to we get to the next end of this, because obviously it'll get to a point where it's just not about race. You know, they'll they'll move into beyond race and gender and things like that. They'll go into everything else. But, you know, young kids uh, have a tendency to notice disabled people pretty, pretty early. You know, it's they don't understand it. They don't understand why this person is either missing a limb or the limbs aren't working or why they're in a wheelchair or what have you. And I can you see this kind of getting into that point where now all of a sudden it's some kind of a grievous offense against, you know, somebody who might have a disability or something of that nature? Or do you think it's going to stop here? Well, Casey, you know, you know, my situation, right? I have a little boy with a five year old with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are little kids uh, who who ask, you know, sometimes, you know, what is what is wrong with him? What's you know, what's what's different? Uh, I remember going to a to a preschool or not a preschool to a daycare. And my son is, is severely speech delayed because of Down syndrome. And he was sitting down with these other kids, and they were talking to him. They were asking all these questions, and, and he was just kind of looking at them, right? And, and fi- one of the kids said, uh, why aren't you talking? And the other kid, oh, Elliot doesn't have a voice. The other child just went, oh, okay, let's go play. And they yeah. all went and played. Beautiful. That's exactly – that wasn't a microaggression. They weren't insulting my child. They were curious about his difference. And once they had an answer, that was it. They moved on. They were done. Yeah. Now, yeah. one of the things yeah. you point out in this article with what's happening in Niles, Michigan, is this is kind of how they've been hiding CRT for the be- from the beginning, as they put it in here. There's real history mixed in with this other nonsense. And some of the stuff that's in there is – stuff you have to talk about and is very valid and is absolutely supposed to be taught in school, but it's mixed in with all of this other bigotry stuff. And that's kind of how they, they soften it. And they use this arguments of you just don't want to teach real history and that sort of thing as if we have not taught about slavery or anything else in, in schools before. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why they, 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 they're not even hiding the ball here though. It's it, the title of this curriculum. So, so Casey, this curriculum um, specifically is, 
is for it's it's their social emotional learning curriculum right for Black History Month. Okay? okay, and they even titled it "Going Beyond Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King." We can talk about Rosa Parks. We can talk about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. We can talk about Selma. We can talk about all of those historical things. It's the going beyond. They let you know <laughs> they're, they're, they're going beyond this to sprinkle in radical Marxist critical theory, critical race theory tenets uh, into brainwashing and indoctrinating our children. Yeah, they never want to go beyond and talk about Frederick Douglass or Anthony Johnson or any yeah. of any of those folks either. <laughs> it's weird how they never want to go beyond that direction, right? No, it, it, it's strange. Um, but I love I love the title of this, though. They let you know exactly what they're doing. They are going beyond. And they're, they're, they just did not hide the ball here at all. And honestly, I have to give them some kudos for that. Now, and here's, here's the other thing, too. We're talking about six-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of folks are under the impression that this is something that will happen in high school as a pre-college type course if it ever makes it into the classroom. And these, these uh, young adults, if you will, are going to be adept at being able to decipher it and understand what's going on. But we're talking about six-year-old kids in Niles, Michigan now. And this is primarily being pushed by, what, three individuals in Niles? Is that correct? Yeah, so you have two elementary school principals and the director of the entire school district's curriculum. All of these people, by the way, are not from that community. All these people are out-of-towners. One of the principals is from South Bend. She's a, a radical Democrat activist. Another guy is from Illinois, and I'm drawing a blank on where the curriculum director is from, but I know that she has not been there for a very long time. Okay, and so the the first lady is the one that looks like she's high as a kite in the pictures? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that's what I – yeah, she looks – Jennifer Shabazz married to Mohammed Shabazz, who's the um, the dem chair of the, Got the, it. the voter registration office in St. Joseph County. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, she works you. in Michigan, uh, though. She's near the dispensary, so it's all good. Um, so is there anything right. that people need to know, parents, anybody in Niles, is there anything, cause obviously parents have had a, a really rough go of it in Berrien County trying to get into school board meetings. Yep. They, they've been manhandled by the police chief. The police chief has run around thumping his chest as if he were some kind of a Neanderthal saying, I make the rules, forget the law, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's been a real rough go of parents on that side of the border. Is there anything that, that you know, you would want to convey to them that maybe something is coming up or maybe there's an organization or parents are getting together like they have on the Indiana side? Yeah, so there are groups. Search them out on Facebook. Search, search them out on social media. I think you've had a couple of people call in on your show. Um, there are these groups. Go. Be involved. Go to your school board meetings. Take this document. I have this document right here for you to take with you. Talk about it at the Niles School, the next Nile school board meeting. It's not that difficult. Don't be scared. People are going to call you a bigot for disagreeing with them no matter what. They're, you're going to get called every word in the book. It doesn't matter. Your kids matter. And the they document's only nine pages. Not, I mean, this is this super easy. Nine pages. Yeah. You can go through this. You can see it. And honestly, there's a ton of other stuff that's really bad in this document. Uh, the microaggressions were just for first graders, mm-hmm. it's just the one thing that really stood out to me that I thought, okay, this is a good headline. I'm going to write this. Um, there's tons of stuff in here that you can look through. You can go to these. Everybody just needs to be involved. You need to know what your children are being taught. Request request stuff. Like if you hear something about this, submit a FOIA. Send me an email. Go to realnewsmichiana.com. Go to contact. Send me an email and ask, 
how you can send a Freedom of Information Act request, and I will help you send a Freedom of Information Act request so you can get all of this documentation that involves, you know, the education of your children. And again, we got Clifton French from RealNewsMichiana.com joining us. Clifton, while I have you on, what's developing in New Buffalo right now? <laughs> Am I going to break this story on your show? Do you want? Yeah, no, um, look, if you want to wait, I'll have you back later in the week because I think I told you Fridays <laughs> with French, but I'm changing the name. We're going to call it French Fridays, and we'll have you on every Friday. Okay, yeah, we we can do that. I I can talk a little bit about New Buffalo. Um, it has to do with, uh, with just give a tease and then we'll send everybody yeah, to your website. Yeah. So there is, um, there is, there's going to be a story coming out tomorrow regarding radical, um, gender theory that is being taught to middle school teachers, um, you know, as professional development. And by the way, it's, it's being done, um, for a for a teacher's uh, coursework with Western Michigan University, um, I have the entire grant. They're getting a grant for it or applying for a grant for this. Um, it's it's pretty crazy. Interesting so, stuff. We'll that so that story will drop tomorrow. Realnewsmichiana.com. There's been tons of updates on, gosh, the the funeral home situation and a bunch of other stories that you have been covering at as of late. So make sure you go to Realnewsmichiana.com, folks. Subscribe. It's the only way that Clifton's able to do this full time. Clifton French, we do appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Hey, Casey, thank you. All right. We got uh, some updates on Penn Harris Madison. The news came down last night. We'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, uh, waiting for the old man to wake up from his nap and, and step to the podium and tell everybody the latest updates on Russia and Ukraine. And I'm not quite telling you I told you so yet, but the Russians have been moving troops off of the border with Ukraine all day. And not everybody is going to go away. But as I told you yesterday, I kind of broke this down and Told him it appeared to be a negotiation tactic. Um, Putin is not who people think that he is. I know that we love demonizing the guy, and he gives us a lot of things to demonize him over. Uh, but at the same time, he's not an expansionist Mao or Stalin or anything of that nature. Um, so I, I generally, not always, but generally believe that Putin would like to avoid a major conflict. You got to understand something else, too. Uh, the Russian military forces aren't exactly in a great position to have a major conflict. And I know that it's Russia, and for Americans, they've always been kind of our boogeyman. But the Russian military is uh, severely outdated. They are modernizing, but they won't be fully modern for another 20 to 30 years. Their pilots, this is something that people don't know, because everybody always talks about Russian pilots, because Russians make decent aircraft. There's, there's no doubt about that. They're usually a generation behind us. But they do make decent aircraft. The problem is that Russian pilots don't have any flight time. Most people don't know that. Russian pilots rarely ever get to fly, whereas our guys are flying all the time. So they know that if they ended up in a conflict where we could be involved or NATO could be involved... They're at a real disadvantage. They're not trying to do that. Now, when they modernize and they have their new tank rolling out in full force and replaces their old ones, 
Um, you know, the new Armada tank, which by all appearances appears to be a very, very good tank. Maybe, but they're not in a position for a major conflict right now. So I don't think that they really want one. But if if they were handed Ukraine, they would take it. I have no doubt that they would take it if they could. Uh, but at the same time, I think that this is pretty much a negotiation tactic. It appears to be playing out that way. I'm not going to tell you, told you yet, but we're working on it. We'll talk about Panaris Madison coming up. Ran out of time, didn't want to waste it here, just trying to rush through it because it was a big, big update for local students. Want to talk about that. Uh, the parents were successful last night. We'll tell you why. Coming up on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, MNC News Time, 331. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendricks. And people have been calling us with traffic updates. Josh, what's going on, man? So it looks like on the uh, westbound uh, lane of the bypass, there's a big wreck. It's uh, all the way from uh, 19 to Capitol Avenue. So please do avoid there. Uh, take Mishawaka Road uh, if you can. And that came from caller Rudy. All right. Appreciate those updates. Thank you very much. You know, getting on the um, getting on the toll road and paying to park can make life a little miserable. Wouldn't you agree, Josh? That's no fun, right? You paid money to be on there, and now you got to be parked behind traffic. It's no fun. And you're going to get home. You're going to be tired. You're going to be cranky. Here's what you need to do. Uh, slide into your Giza Dream Sheets from MyPillow.com. The softest Giza cotton, 100% certified, authentic Giza cotton. Oh, you don't have any. Oh, you just have those lame store-bought sheets. That's okay. I can help with that. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code Casey, and you can get the authentic Giza cotton sheets for 60% off. As low as $39.99. Good luck finding authentic Giza cotton sheets anywhere else for $39.99. Good luck with that. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code Casey. All right, what else do we have here? Pen Harris Madison. So this is the big update. Last night, man, my phone blew up. Blew up. Okay? Everybody's like, holy smokes, Casey, we won. We finally won. The battle over masking your kids at school is over for Pen Harris Madison. It is not over for many of you in other school districts. Uh, Thursday, kids will be mask optional. They do not have to wear a mask starting on Thursday. They can if they want, and that's totally fine. That's all that we've been asking for from the very beginning. And what was interesting is, you know, yesterday I played the video clip, which you just heard is audio, but I played the clip from my hometown of Las Vegas. One of the elementary schools there announced that the kids can, can stop wearing masks, uh, you know, the next day. Kids jumped up and down. They were screaming. They were yelling. They were celebrating. And, you know, the damage that has been done with masking is undeniable. There's, there's a, a mountain of actual scientific research on this. Masking has been very detrimental to children. It has not benefited them in any way. It has only harmed. And the, the notion that you would continue to mask knowing that they don't work just on principle or because you wanted to get grant funding that was being provided to you and you were harming your, your students at your school just to get that grant funding based on something that was clearly unscientific, that was known to cause damage and harm, it's child abuse. I don't know how else to say it. You know, people can go, Casey, you're going a little too strong on some of these people. I'm sorry. I don't like people who abuse kids. I just don't. It's not in my nature to be accepting of that. It shouldn't be in your nature to be accepting of that either. So it's, it, we're sitting here, and I, I made the point. I, I pulled up the data. From Clark County and St. Joseph County. Now, Clark County is a much bigger place than St. Joseph County. But I pulled up the data from my hometown, Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is. I pulled the data up, and I pulled the data up for St. Joseph County. The numbers are virtually identical. 
So the question that I asked yesterday before this school board meeting is, why is it that kids in Las Vegas can take their masks off, but kids in St. Joseph County, Indiana cannot? I think that was a pretty reasonable question, considering the data was virtually identical. And the, the parents won. I know that there was a, a surety bond cease and desist that was issued by one of the parents last night on the school board. Um, one of the parents has issued an apology publicly for losing their temper because one of the school board members did not have a mask while at the school board meeting. While they're masking kids. This is kind of these like celebrities and stuff like that where they're forcing everybody around them. If you want to attend their game, their movie, their concerts, so you want to go be a member of the audience of one of their shows, you have to wear a mask, but they go to the Super Bowl and they don't wear one. Remember we were talking about yesterday? Membership to the party has to come with some benefits. And part of those benefits are you don't have to wear a mask and everybody else who's not a member of the party, they have to. So I want to congratulate the parents. You know, I, I, I know that some of them have thanked me for my help. I really haven't done much. All I've done is, is be able to talk about the science here and occasionally have some of these parents on. They're the ones that were in the trenches fighting this thing every single day. A lot of students spoke out and everything else. Um, there was a question that was floating around on if anybody spoke in favor of mask mandates at Penn Harris Madison yesterday. And the answer that I got was no. Nobody showed up to speak in favor of masking. And that's because there's a midterm election and Democrats don't want to lose the midterm election. So they've got to get rid of these things as fast as possible so they have a speck of a chance of winning the midterm elections because they know how, how angry people are. You can say what you want about these truckers, and we're going to talk about them here, but there is now a convoy in Israel. There's a convoy in Australia. There's a convoy in New Zealand. There's a convoy in the U.S. There's rumors of a convoy in, in the U.K. So it's showing up everywhere. So once again, once again, I know that it's all kind of tied together, but it's not the exact same story. But once again, it is the blue-collar worker that is essential that is showing everybody how it's done. And Canada gets credit for this, guys. I know it's it's been a long time since uh, you know Americans haven't been able to take credit for something like this, but Canada gets credit for this, not us. The Canadians are the one that did it. But the fight in Canada is not over. I mean, things have gotten insane in Canada. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on today, but... Uh, to the students who have spoken out at the school board meetings, for the students who did peaceful, passive resistance at, at Penn schools, uh, for the parents that backed them up and supported them, and the parents who advocated on behalf of them and organized on behalf of them, you all deserve a ton of credit. Because when your children needed you to show up, you showed up. The other parents didn't. The other parents and the faculty that didn't support these students abandoned them they left them to the wolves they left them to continue to do something that not only didn't work but has proven to be harmful to them psychologically and in some cases physically they chose to throw children under the bus for grant money or politics everybody else showed up and did the right thing and you deserve a ton of credit for that a ton and there's not there's not going to be enough voices that will tell you that that are going to be outside of your own inner circles. But you you are the ones that got this finished. And I know that they'll spin it and they'll lie and they'll say, oh, this is just because COVID is over because masking worked and everything else. That is not true. They know it. You know it. The truth is you fought until they had no justifiable reason to even try and keep up the fight anymore. They would. 
if you weren't there last night at this school board meeting, your kids would still be in masks on Thursday. Promise you that. But because you showed up, you did the work, you're, you're the ones that made your presence known. Because of that, your kids are able to go ahead and show their smiles again on Thursday, if they want to. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. You ever had one of those moments where you decide you're not going to be friends with somebody? You ever had one of those? Yeah? Josh has had that? I just had that. Um, Comet fan on Rumble just said that they like KFC's coleslaw. So just like that, we can't be friends because coleslaw is hot trash. And I don't know why in the world anybody would want to throw that down their gullet. But um, so, Comet, you 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 and I are going to be at arm's length for each other from now on. <laughs> there's, a, there's an argument over the best fried chicken. And has been happening on the live stream. If you are not a part of that argument, you can throw your weight behind your favorite fried chicken. You can go to theburningtruth.us or rumble.com slash Casey, the host, and join in that debate right now with the live stream. All right. So much to discuss. We will get into what's happening in the, the world of truckers who are protesting everything. I guarantee you it's, it's going to be it's going to be a doozy. Um, but I want to I want to throw this out here too. I'm going to pepper in some of the the Clinton stuff throughout the day. The Biden campaign, not administration, the Biden campaign paid tens of thousands of dollars to the exact same tech firm, which is now been accused of hacking the Trump and White House servers in order to frame Trump with the fake Trump Russia collusion story. This is what we mean when we talk about the swamp, okay? This is what we mean. When everybody who is involved in all of this are all represented, I'm talking about all the Democratic officials, okay? They're all represented by the same legal firm, Perkins Perkins Coy. Obama's personal lawyer is the lawyer of of Susan Rice and others who are deeply involved in all of this. We know in the Durham probe that people are cooperating and they are, they're singing to John Durham as he continues his probe. But now we find out that the tech firm and remember all of the incestuous relationships that happened with the DNC server hack and all of that stuff, which of course we ended up finding out was not Russia. Okay. Russia didn't hack the DNC. We ended up finding that out later. Who was who was the one person on on uh, in the news media and your traditional form factors who was telling you that that Russia did not hack that thing? Who was that? That's right, this guy. How did I how did I come to that conclusion? Well, I have a background in network systems administration, and nothing that they were saying made any sense. Nothing. None of the markers on it was a Russian op at all. Not a single solitary speck of it. But we didn't find out until years later. Did the news media cover that a couple of years ago when that came out? No, of course they didn't. Why would they bother covering that? Just like they're not covering what is happening here with the newest Clinton scandal. Although it is cute. And I covered this today on my early show. For those of you who don't know, the second show did start this week. And you can go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host for those episodes. Um, but today I did talk about how... While CNN is completely ignoring the story and refusing to do any articles on it, 
MSNBC is spinning it as a conspiracy theory that isn't real. And they're even saying that the old, uh, the old uh, 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 Spygate scandal was fake and debunked, which, of course, it wasn't. The government confirmed that it happened, and we have all of the receipts. But MSNBC is still running around pretending, bless you, still running around and pretending that it's a giant conspiracy theory and it isn't real. But, hey, MSNBC is totally not the enemy of the American people, folks. Not at all. They just had a doctor on last week who told you Omicron was more deadly for children, and they let him do it. But totally not the enemy of the American people, guys. Totally not the enemy of the American people. Not at all. Not even remotely close. So now we find out that the Biden campaign is paying the exact same company who's involved with the uh, the Trump server hacks. Isn't that interesting? Weird how this keeps happening, huh? The exact same law firms, the exact same people, and the exact same tech companies and tech advisors and everything else in every single Washington, D.C. scandal. Every single one of the same players is involved. Every single time. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Listen, if you're driving around in your car with a mask on your face, you probably need a new air filter. But if you don't know how to change your air filter, go to R&B Car Company. Just get a whole new car. Just let them know that I sent you. rbcarcompany.com. Joining us right now is Tony Kennett. Now, Tony Kennett, we've had on the show a couple of times before. He is the executive director of Chalkboard Review and Choice Media an award-winning STEM teacher and administrator. He also developed curriculum in Indianapolis before they fired you for exposing that critical race theory is being taught in our schools. Tony, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic. How are you? I'm hanging in there. So uh, I don't know if you heard, but earlier today, we just had a developing story this week right across the border on the Michigan side, Niles, Michigan. They have critical race theory curriculum that is now being rolled out to six-year-olds about microaggressions. And like you've said before, they're hiding a lot of the CRT stuff in the midst of actual historical lessons. So that way they can attack parents when parents point out that they don't want critical race theory taught. They can go, well, we're just trying to teach real history and you're trying to whitewash all of that stuff and and prevent your kids from learning what actually happened in the past. Yep, that's about the size of it. And it's it's really sad because there is a lot of excellent historical education that can occur in a lot of these classrooms, but it's so swamped by the innate bitterness of some of these individuals and the need to preen and posture that it ends up, it doesn't even give the teachers any additional social standing. It's really just a huge embarrassment and it ends up harming kids in the process. Yeah. It's, you know, what's interesting too, and this is just an observation that I've made feel free to, to not dive into this, but it always seems to be uh, pasty white liberals who do this. I mean, that was the way it was in Lawrence, just exposed uh, the other day. Uh, you, there was a teacher that for Black History Month made her students uh, draw uh, black individuals picking cotton and white individuals using machines as an illustration of privilege. Hmm. Yeah, we've heard about experiments like that in the past going wrong, but I digress. It's good to know that um, that we have these teachers who are so willing to step out and, and really try to teach kids proper way that things were it's always it's always nice to have that type of stuff right tony 
So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is getting insane. But you know, we're talking about six year olds too. I think a lot of people are under the impression, and you've done a really good job of pointing out that it's not just you know high school kids, but they're going younger and younger and younger. And you're talking about first first graders. You know, you get them at six years old, you catch them early, you start grooming them throughout their entire educational life, and then you you develop a society that you want, and you move on to the next boogeyman that you're inevitably going to find without fail. So, we have an event. And a lot of people who are curious about critical race theory, maybe they hear us talking about it, maybe they read your social media, but they're still not fully aware of what it is or how they hide it in curriculum like SEL or Castle. We are going to have an event on March 1st, and this is going to be at Jude Creek Golf Course. It's called Education, Not Indoctrination. Tell us a little bit about what they can expect when you give your keynote address there. There are so many different resources out there that you can get a hold of that can tell you things that people have seen. They can tell you uh, different aspects and, and how critical race theory and, and uh, other different critical aspects of progressive theory have injected themselves into education. But if you come on March the 1st, what you are going to get is the inside information that's not hidden, that's not interpreted many different ways, but directly from the source of the authors. We'll take you through our critical race theory toolkit, which is just directly from the horse's mouth on what critical race theory is, how it works, how it's been expounded upon since 94 and 95. You'll get a little bit of the story of how things are going in Indiana with direct legislative updates and things of that nature. And also, you'll get a chance to ask some questions that have always been on your mind, always burning, but you know you're not going to get the best answer on Facebook. Well, this is, well, Facebook will probably take your, your post down if you were to actually respond to it. But this is, how are things going with the Twitter, the Twitter things? Is everybody back on now? Because you had still had one or two people that were still banned the last time one we of talked. My social media team members is still suspended Sus- and uh, a couple of the other organizational accounts for other places that he works with. Uh, but my social media manager and my scheduling editor are finally back okay. on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Well, there's progress at least. At least there's some of that. But um, that's why it's so important, I think, to have these alternative platforms, because at least you have a backup, if if nothing else. And, and I try not Absolutely. to tell people to get off of Facebook or to get off of Twitter unless they really want to. But you have to have a backup just in case. Absolutely. So um, would this be an event? Because this is the other question that I've been getting from people. Is this just an event for people who are anti-critical race theory? Would this be a good event for people who are maybe positive or receptive to critical race theory? Absolutely. I'm I'm more than happy to get the chance to speak to any group of individuals. I'm not up there to spout Republican talking points. I'm not up there to talk from the left, right, or the center. I'm simply there to share information about uh, what critical race theory authors have shared in the past, as it is a, a legal lens framework theory from the 1970s that is meant to be applied to every aspect of American culture. And I simply want to go through what those authors have said and discuss those. I've studied this for eight years at the graduate level, and uh, that seems like a better place to go than uh, some random posts on social media. Yeah, and I kind of I find it interesting that they try to make the opposition to critical race theory somehow a Republican or conservative issue. It really isn't because we've seen it all over the country. Parents of all races, all genders, all stripes politically have shown up in opposition to critical race theory at school board meetings. And they've been doing this for a couple of years now. It's not like this is something that is unique to people on the political right. There's a lot of people who understand the dangers here, and they don't want it to be taught to their children, and they don't want it to damage their kids' relationships with other kids their age. Well, this is really what's interesting, because according to the political polling data that we've seen in the last couple of years, 
it seems that even among the left, especially among some of the left's minority communities, critical race theory is seen in a very negative light, and rightly so, because it demeans and diminishes black and Hispanic students into believing that they need some type of white savior in order to lift them out of uh, some horrible situation that they're in, which, again, is incredibly prejudiced and, and really stereotypical. So, of course, it's unpopular because, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what color you are, it wants to source you into segregationist categories. Yeah, there was a poll that came out just, I think it was a month, maybe two ago, that actually showed the majority of the black community really opposes critical race theory. So it's, it's, once again, not even popular amongst the population that they say that they are benefiting with having this curriculum. And it's really not being pushed by black Americans either in the educational form. It always seems to be pushed by... Uh, People are offended on behalf of another group. But as you have pointed out, critical race theory isn't just about demonizing white kids or white people. It also is horrendously offensive to minorities by making them out to be perpetual victims incapable of succeeding because of this system of systemic racism that it lays out. And I would say that's the real I would say that's the real danger. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if someone looks at you and says, hey, you're responsible for a whole lot of evil. That can only be told to you so many times before it really has very little effect on you. That's one of the reasons why it's being exclaimed to lower and lower ages in schools uh, to try to get kids to wrap their minds around that eternal guilt. But I think the real danger is telling someone that they are the eternal victim, that nothing that they do, no action that they take will ever get them out of any situation that they're in. And there are kids who grow up in really rough environments, and that's not specific to any color or community. but giving those kids the poison of victimhood for their entire lives and saying that they need to burn everything down in order to make any real change is going to cripple these individuals for life. That is lasting damage that we are doing to our children. That's part of the reason that we're putting on this event. Again, the event is on March 1st. It's at Jude Creek Golf Course. Education, not indoctrination. The cost is $25 per person. You must RSVP. I have posted links on the live stream for the event page on Facebook. I will also post it in the daily show prep today. Uh, If you're interested in picking up your tickets right now, gopsjc.com. Just go to their events page. You can get your tickets and RSVP that way. Tony, I look forward to having you come to town, man. Appreciate your time. You know, if they actually get their ticket by midnight tonight, then uh, they will receive their ticket earlier than if they order it later. Really? How about that? What a concept. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And it's free. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Tony, appreciate your time, man. You have a good one. Take care. All right. (laughs) You got to love it when dads get together and do dad jokes. So once again, I'll put it in the daily show prep. So you have the the link to go ahead and get your tickets. Uh, There are some spots available. So I would encourage you to act quickly. You must RSVP. There's no tickets at the door on this thing. Some people asked me at my pass the mic here last week if they would be able to purchase tickets at the door. The answer is no. You must RSVP or you will not be let in. So again, education, not indoctrination. I have the event created on my Facebook page, uh, but you can also go to gopsjc.com, go to their events, and you'll be able to get those tickets right there from the website. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, the daily show prep today will have the link to the event for you to be able to go ahead and actually pick up your tickets to education, not indoctrination. And Tony Kennett's going to be the keynote speaker. I will be giving a speech as well. Um, I'm going to focus on uh, some of the things that that will be relevant to that, but I'm also going to focus on some other stuff that are, uh, in general, I think going to be very helpful to the audience. And so many people who will show up to that thing will probably be activists. But uh, at the same time, you know, it, Tony Kennett is an authority on this, and he's a great follow on social media. Highly recommend it. Uh, we have used Chalkboard Review periodically on this show for many years now. And uh, I didn't realize that Tony, when Tony got fired, I didn't realize that he was the guy that ran Chalkboard Review. I didn't figure that out until later. So it'll be, it's going to be really fun. Uh, and it's going to be very informative. And it's going to be an event that is desperately needed by a lot of people out there who probably don't know a lot about critical race theory. And maybe they think they know, maybe they're getting confused, like that story about Niles earlier today with Clifton French. Maybe they think that, you know, hey, some of this real historical stuff, that that's what people are trying to prevent from being taught. That's not. Nobody is trying to prevent teaching actual history as ugly as that history was. Everybody wants that to be taught. That's not the issue with critical race theory. The issue is, you know, pretending that white people are all evil and pretending that minorities can't succeed because of this system that they allege exists, which only benefits whites in this country, which is 100% um, a, a demonstrable falsehood. And we can prove that all day long. And they know that we can prove that all day long. So it's going to be a good event. I encourage you to get your tickets. Like I said, you have to RSVP. It is $25, but it's going to a great local organization. Um, and I know that the GOP has the website up, but that is only because the organization that's doing it, Indiana Call to Action, does not have a website yet, but I am helping them get that organized. So the GOP has stepped up and helped them uh, with having a, a funnel to be able to get those tickets. It is not a Republican event. Okay. All right. Oh, man, so much stuff. Uh, that we can talk about here, but we're not going to go into a ton of it. We could. We could spend a lot of time on a lot of this stuff today. Um, I will get into the truckers here probably at 4.30. So let's do the truckers at 4.30. A lot of developments with the, the trucking situation that I want everybody to be aware of. So we'll do that coming up in, in short order here. Um, I, did, I did go out there uh, today on the second show. And I did talk about the mayor of Boston. And I just wanted to, I don't have a lot of time, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this. The mayor of Boston, if you haven't seen this particular video, you've got to see it. It is absolutely hysterical. The mayor of Boston, Michelle Wu, she decided she was going to have a live stream. And the problem is that Boston is a dystopian nightmare. And Michelle Wu doing a live stream, ran into a bunch of people who were asking her when the mandates were going to end and why she thought she had the authority to perpetually keep them going and what was what was happening there. But the whole point of the live stream is for her to answer all of her constituents' questions. Now, she's the mayor of Boston, so anybody who lives in Boston is a constituent. So that was the entire point of it. I'm going to answer all of your questions today. And she got bombarded with mandate questions and everything else. And she did not, she did not answer a single solitary one of them. She was constantly harassed by it. And what she did, she basically pretended that they weren't actually coming through. So she would sit there 
with this dumb look on her face. And it would be mandate question, mandate question, mandate question, mandate question, mandate question, mandate question. And she would just sit there like with a blank face on. And then somebody asked her or somebody wished her a, a happy Chinese New Year. And then she responded to that. And then there was more mandate questions, which she didn't answer. And she kept looking at her handlers like, please help me. What, who's, who's screening these things? You're supposed to prevent these things from, from getting through to me. Because, you know, the peasants aren't supposed to have a pipeline to the mayor. Only people who are aligned with the mayor are supposed to have a pipeline to the mayor. So then somebody finally asked her what her favorite part of winter in Boston was. And she answered that one. So in a total of like one minute and 37 seconds, she got over 100 questions. She addressed two. Two. She just will not talk about this and this is the thing this should be an easy i've been saying this from the beginning right this should be an easy position to defend if you're putting masks on kids and somebody like me is criticizing that it should be an easy position for you to defend scientifically right you should be able to come back with uh, just the lowly old radio host who's got two uh, who's who in america awards for applied biochemistry but i digress it should be easy for you to come back and say, hey, this uh, local media personality is saying this stuff. Here's why he's wrong. X, Y, Z. Now, why haven't they done that? Why are they sent like public health officials here locally? Why are they sending little messages around on how to get the narrative right? You wouldn't need the narrative right if the science were on your side, correct? So if you're the if you're the mayor of a major city and you're running these mandates and people are asking you about the mandate, shouldn't that be a relatively easy thing for you to address rather than just ignoring all of your constituents that are trying to reach out to you? And this is their only way to communicate with their mayor. She just decided to do, I think it was on TikTok, decided to do a live stream on, on TikTok and she doesn't want to talk to any of her constituents about it. But you should watch the video. And when I covered it earlier and I played the video for the uh, the second show, which you could easily see, if you're on the podcast, you're not you're not going to see it, okay? If you're on the podcast, you will just hear it and it won't make any sense to you. But if you watch the, the video, you will see it. And it is one of the funniest pieces of video that I have ever seen because she looks... You know how they say people look like a deer in headlights? I don't think I've actually ever seen that. This woman looks like a deer in headlights. No idea what to do as these people are asking these qu this question. She's regretting instantly even doing a live stream. That right there should be a red alarm. Well, not a red alarm. A fire alarm. Red alert for anybody who is watching that. MNC News Time is 4.31. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Ah, poor little Trudeau's throwing a little tantrum tantrum. He's upset. He's angry. You know, what's interesting about this is that I, I had this story that a deal was struck between the Freedom Convoy and the mayor of Ottawa. So let's just go back a couple of days, okay? Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson announced on Sunday that his office and the Freedom Convoy protesters came to an agreement requiring protesters to clear residential zones in the next 72 hours. Watson sent a letter to Tamara Lick, a Freedom Convoy organizer, on Saturday, where he spelled out his concerns with some of the ongoing protests, according to CBC. And again, Canadians have basically two news agencies that are nationwide. The rest of them are smaller independents. 
Uh, my overarching concern is for the safety and security of our residents, business owners, and workers in the downtown core who are innocent collateral damage of this unprecedented national and international demonstration, Watson said. So even in his letter, it was, you know, uh, they're innocent bystanders here and they're collateral damage of your peaceful protest that hasn't hurt anybody. Now, I'm not going to pretend that living in an area where they're honking horns and things like that isn't uh, going to be inconvenient. But you know what else is inconvenient? Being locked in your house for no reason for two years. Kind of inconvenient, don't you think? Of course it is. Uh, Our residents are exhausted and on edge, and our small businesses impacted by your blockade are teetering on the brink of permanent closure. Does he not see the irony there? I'm going to read that last sentence again. Let me see if you spot the irony. Our residents are exhausted and on the edge and our small businesses impacted by your blockade are teetering on the brink of permanent closure. Didn't your lockdowns do that? Didn't your lockdowns put your residents on edge? Didn't your lockdowns cause businesses to teeter on the brink of permanent closure? Didn't your lockdowns permanently close many businesses in Canada? I know they did in the United States. I know they did in every other country. My assumption would be that they did it in Canada as well. The sanctimony here. When we did it, it was okay. When you do it for just, you know, what is it, two weeks now? You're destroying the entire economy. You've been doing it for two years, guys. Lick responded with a letter where she agreed to Watson's request to clear truckers out of residential zones as the protests consolidate on Parliament Hill, according to Fox. Lake also noted that the Freedom Convoy board would have to get buy-in, uh, would get buy-in from the truckers before the move could actually take place. Basically saying, we need to present this to the truckers who are here and they need to approve of it, but I will present it. So the mayor of Ottawa uh, is, is an idiot and was making a request to get the truckers out of residential areas. Okay. And so the truckers said, All right, we'll get out of residential areas. Even though your letter is a condescending uh, dipstick-type letter, we'll do it because we're Canadians and we don't want to harm our our fellow human beings while they're at home, okay? But it is interesting that he could not see the irony in what he was posting. Somehow it's the, it's the, the, the freedom convoy that is causing businesses to close down. Right. Sure it is. Okay, here's the latest. Blackface Trudeau has invoked the Emergencies Act against the Freedom Convoy. So Justin Blackface Trudeau, under pressure to quell the chaos caused by demonstrations against public health measures. By the way, there's a real easy way to quell the demonstrations, real super simple way to quell these demonstrations. Stop requiring a vaccine mandate. Not that hard. Let the truckers deliver their loads in the United States and come back home without having a 14-day quarantine on the American side of the border. That's all you got to do. That's it. The vaccines do not prevent infection and they do not prevent transmission. And there is scant evidence that they even reduce the chance of hospitalization and death to the latest variants of COVID. So 
what is the point of having it? There isn't one. It's completely unscientific. It is purely about power. They're so concerned about this demonstration, but all they have to do is say, all right, truckers, keep doing what you've been doing in the exact same way that you were doing it before, and we will leave you alone. That's it. Protest stops. But they're not doing that, are they? So Trudeau went ahead and um, he invoked the Emergencies Act. It was passed in 1988. It's never been used before, ever. It wasn't used when, when COVID was running rampant in, in Canada, but they'll use it against truckers. It gives police more tools to bring order to areas where public assemblies constitute, quote, illegal and dangerous activities. There's no examples of this being dangerous at all, but I digress. Okay. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, demonstration began on January 28th. Yada, yada, yada. This has gone on for too long, Trudeau said. It is no longer a lawful protest against federal government policy. It is now an illegal occupation. It's time for people to go home. Right. He pledged that the measures would be time-limited, geographically targeted, and proportionate to the threats to Canada's national security, which, of course, there is no threat to Canada's national security from the truckers. He said that the act was not being used to deploy the military. Ottawa Police Chief Peter Slowly has said that the military uh, aid might be needed to stamp out the unrest. Uh, however, that guy has resigned. So you've got the police chief has now stepped down. Peter Slowly, the head of Ottawa's uh, police service, has resigned. According to sources, the development comes as protests remain ongoing Tuesday in Canada's capital over the coronavirus restrictions. So, quote, Chief Slawley is leading important changes in the OPS to improve public trust, safety, services, and values, according to a bio uh, from the, the Ottawa Police Services website. By the way, he's not a very popular guy, uh, even within the department, but I digress. So he's stepped down. So whoever comes in is going to have to deal with this nonsense now. Um, we've got some arrests. The police did move in. There was some arrests. They they did um, bring out the SWAT team and the riot police here a little while. Not today, but like a little, you know, yesterday, the day before. Uh, Canadian Civil Liberties Group has responded to Blackface Trudeau invoking the Emergencies Act. Uh, several Canadian Civil Liberties Groups are speaking out against Justin Trudeau after he invoked the Emergencies Act to cut off funding for Freedom Convoy truckers who are protesting trade routes. And again, part of this is uh, Give, Send, Go, which is now the crowdfunding platform that the convoy is using, told the Canadian government to go pound sand when the Canadian government said, We're, you're not going to give them any money if people call and donate or uh, people go online and donate money to the truckers. And they basically said, we'll give them the money. They set up the campaign. We're We're not beholden to Canadian laws, and we will absolutely give them the money because that's what is being done here. So now we got the Emergencies Act. So we've got a bunch of civil liberties groups in Canada that are now saying, hey, this is wrong. You shouldn't be evoking the Emergencies Act, which, of course, he shouldn't. There's no serious danger. If he really wants this to go away, like I said, there's a real easy way to make it go away. Not that difficult. About 14 minutes ago, the Ottawa police chief, uh, Peter Slawley, who resigned, issued a statement. It is with a heavy heart that I am announcing that I have stepped down as chief of the Ottawa Police Service 
Two years ago, I took on this role with a challenge to deliver change. Together, we brought forward a renewed focus on neighborhood policing, overhauled the Ottawa police service culture, and built a service that better reflects the diversity of the community that we serve. Buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. It has been a difficult journey, but I am incredibly proud of what we have done. Uh, let's see. Since the onset of the demonstration, I have done everything possible to keep this city safe and put an end to this unprecedented and unforeseeable crisis. There's nothing unforeseeable about it. You were told that if you took it too far, people were going to revolt, and you took it too far. I posted a, a video last week. I said, look, probably the most laid-back and peaceful people in the world, the Canadians, are angry. And if nothing else, regardless of what side you're on on this thing, can we at least take a step back and acknowledge that if the Canadians are this mad, you probably went too far. Josh, was the last time you saw Canadians this angry? The U.S. just beat Canada in hockey. They weren't this angry. I, I don't... The Canadians are never this mad, okay? The fact that they are this mad, and there's so many of them this mad, tells you you went too far. But this is what happens when you have a dumb, idiot, frat boy. And yes, he's an actual idiot. I know that sometimes we throw that term around when we're talking about politicians. Trudeau's an actual moron who's only elected because of his dad's name and his looks. That's the reality. That's, you know, that's Canada. There's not that many people there, and women put him in office because he's dreamy. It was a whole Justin Trudeau is dreamy thing. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, we have acquired new resources and enforcement tools and stood up to the new integrated command center. I am confident uh, that the Ottawa Police Service is now better positioned to end this occupation to the hardworking members of the Ottawa Police Service who apparently don't like this guy very much. You have my utmost respect and admiration, yada, yada, yada. Um, increasingly, you're seeing Canadian military members speak out against this as well. So, I, you know, I assume that their laws are similar to our laws when uh, you speak out in uniform. So a lot of them will probably lose their commissions and things of that nature, but... Um, this is, this is, you know, obviously it's getting out of control, but it's a really easy fix. And all you have to do is stop avoiding the science and stop treating people as if they were your subjects and that they, they were actually your constituents. That's it. That's, it. That's all you got to do. But there's a lot more to this because it's spreading all over the world. And we're going to talk about that coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Yeah, somebody just called and said, hey, uh, local news is talking about the protesters being all armed and stuff. Hey, I got news for you. The Canadians do hunt. They have firearms. It's uh, they, they don't have them to the extent that we have. They have much more restrictions on them, but they do. And if you're, if you're going to be away from the house for an extended period of time, I, I suppose you'd probably have your firearm with you. Uh, but, I, you know, there's like, the picture that the authorities posted at the, uh, was it the Couts uh, border crossing in Alberta? It's, it's 11 guns, guys. And most of them are hunting rifles. So it's, you know, you, you can fear monger all you want if you're an imbecile on the local news, but it they haven't assaulted anybody. They haven't killed anybody. There's one allegation that after the police started to try and clear out this border crossing there in Alberta that 
one person tried to ram authorities with his tractor. Okay. That's, that's like one allegation. But the videos that I have are of the truckers just hanging out, basically doing, uh, you know, a, uh, a tailgate and randomly just getting assaulted by people from behind. You know, just people in the Ottawa area just coming up and assaulting them because they don't want them there or what have you, or they're too loud or what whatnot. So um, you still have, you know, the right to protect yourself. And if people feel like maybe having a firearm there just in case is going to be an example of that, there is zero examples of them offensively using those firearms in the, the convoy. But this is now spread to Australia, tens of thousands of people in that drone footage in Australia, New Zealand. Israel's got their own freedom convoy spreading all over the world. More coming up. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Questions all over the live stream. Hey, Casey, uh, local media can talk about guns at the the uh, freedom convoy all they want. How many guns were found at the Antifa and BLM riots? Hundreds. And guess what? Guess what Antifa and BLM did that the Freedom Convoy hasn't done? Murdered people. Oh, man. Local media, national media, they didn't cover any of that, did they? Of course not. All right. What else do we have here? Uh, I want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Hold on a second. I got to, you know what? I'm going to, hold on a second. RBCarCompany.com. I want to do something. I'm going to do this live on the air. I don't think this is going to work, but I've got to check. All right. I've got, I've got to see if they have any like trucker trucks, like real trucks, like, like Mack trucks, like trucks. Oh my gosh. They have so many trucks. Holy. They have 10 pages of trucks, guys. I can't get through 10 pages of trucks. I should have done that during the news break. I'm just wondering if R&B car company has like a, like a truck that will haul stuff that you could maybe buy and join a freedom convoy. Anyway, rbcarcompany.com. Let them know that I sent you. Okay, the Texas Attorney General is suing Facebook for billions of, not billions of dollars, billions of violations. Texas Attorney General Paxton has sued Facebook, now known as Meta, for capturing and using the biometric data of millions of Texans without properly obtaining their informed consent to do so in violation of Texas law. Uh, Meta has come under huge scrutiny for this over the past several days. Paxton alleges Facebook has been storing millions of biometric identifiers designed by statute as a retina or iris scan, fingerprint, voice print, or record of hand or face geometry contained in photos and videos uploaded by friends and family who use the social media app. Now, we talked about this a while ago, that Facebook could capture your biometric data if somebody else uploaded a photo or video of you and then tagged you in it. So even if you turned the setting off and didn't allow that stuff to be stored by Facebook on your account, if somebody had it on and they uploaded a photo or video of you, they could capture it that way. And there was a big brouhaha about that some years ago. And we talked about it on the show. I don't remember all of the details, but people were, were you know, obviously upset about this. This is one of the reasons that people are leaving Facebook, too. Every time Facebook does an update, they, like, revert their settings. Not every single time, but often, okay? So if you go into the privacy settings and you change your Facebook privacy settings, 
oftentimes what people will discover is that after there's an update, and Facebook does an update at least once a week, after you have an update, suddenly your privacy settings have been reset to the factory default, which, of course, allows Facebook to capture all of this stuff. And a lot of people have been pointing this out for a number of years. We used to do experiments on it live on the show many, many years ago. It is a routine issue with them. They do anything they can to capture that data. Of course, we know that they have ties with China, too, so China might have access to that database. That's something that concerns people as well. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh by this illegal activity, Facebook exploited the personal information of users and non-users alike to grow its empire and reap historic windfall profits. The company repeatedly captured biometric identifiers without consent billions of times in knowing violation of Texas Capture or Use of Biometric Identifier Act and the Deceptive Trade Practices Act. Quote, Facebook will no longer take advantage of people and their children with the intent to turn a profit at the expense of one's safety and well-being. That is the Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, this is yet another example of big tech's deceitful business practices, and it must stop. It will continue. I will continue to fight for Texans' privacy and security. That is the, the actual lawsuit, which you can read online. Uh, that story is breaking 911, but you can read the lawsuit online. I will include it in the Daily Show prep today for all of you if you'd like to take a look at that. I also ran into an article by J.B. Shirk in American Thinker. This was published yesterday. Our founding fathers would all be driving trucks today. Obviously, expressing support for the Freedom Convoys, which are also in France and Brussels, not just in Israel and New Zealand and Australia. If you haven't seen the Australian drone footage from the weekend, man, it was big time. My buddy in Australia, Samuel, he was hitting me up. He's like, dude, protests are massive here right now, and it's uh, it's becoming a really big deal all over the country, all over, all over the world, I should say. But this is another thing you all need to know. This isn't new. There have been mass protests involving hundreds of thousands of people all over the world for over a year. And nobody has covered it. And it's happened even here in the United States. Massive protests in New York City. No media coverage anywhere. Massive protests in my hometown of Las Vegas. Literally thousands of parents shutting down the strip over masking of children. You would think that would be a big deal. Anything that happens on the Las Vegas Strip is big news. Nothing. Well, Casey, how do you know what's happening? Because I've got people there, and they're posting the videos, and they're posting the photos on Instagram and social media, and you can see it. The news media has been instructed not to cover this stuff. But it's been happening this entire time. This is a factual statement that I'm about to tell you. The largest mass protests in human history have been happening for over a year consistently and without pause and nobody knows about it there is entire telegram channels devoted to highlighting these protests every single day all over the world and if you follow me on telegram you get a lot of those posts too because i share them if you follow me on facebook you don't get them you don't get any of my posts on Facebook. So this post by J.B. Shirk from American Thinker, our founding fathers would all be driving trucks today. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. 
Anybody want to ask me why the Founding Fathers wouldn't be driving trucks today in solidarity with the Freedom Convoy? Anyone? Any ideas? It's not because they wouldn't know how to drive a stick. No, that's not it. Founding Fathers would have learned how to drive a stick. No, it's because they would have been stacking bodies and collecting scalps. That's why. They would not be driving trucks unless the truck was being driven into oppressors. Does anybody doubt what I'm saying? Go look at the stuff that the Founding Fathers were willing to shoot people over back in the day. And tell me that this isn't egregiously worse than the stuff that they would shoot each other over. I know there's a couple of you out there. I don't know, Casey, that sounds like violent rhetoric to me. I'm just letting you know historically what would have happened. If you think for a second George Washington wouldn't be organizing people for conflict right now, you're nuts. I mean, in between the sex parties that Benjamin Franklin would be having, he would be telling everybody it's probably time to start stacking bodies, guys. And then you would go back to doing what Ben Franklin did. If you don't know anything about Ben Franklin, you're probably shocked by that statement, but, you know, he was a bit of a perv. Not that I don't love the guy, just letting you know. So they wouldn't be driving. I'm J.B. Shirk, with, with respect, and I understand what you're trying to say here, but no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be driving trucks, not unless they were all Mad Maxed out and used as weapons because <laughs> they would be killing people. They would be overthrowing governments. They would be tarring and feathering people. That's another thing. I know that we have the expression about tar and feathering. You ever actually seen a tar and feathering uh, depiction, Josh? No? You need to go look it up because the Founding Fathers loved tarring and feathering the British. Loved it. Did it kill them? No. Was it uncomfortable? Was it embarrassing? Absolutely. Did it get the message across? Yep. And if the tar and feathering didn't work, they shot you. That's how it worked. So, it's anybody doubt what I'm saying here? Anybody? You kidding me? You would have you think there would have been Tea Party protests years ago? There would have been Tea Party protests. There would have been revolt. You think for a second that they would tolerate this? Absolutely not. Not even close. They wouldn't be peacefully protesting with truck drivers and and that sort of stuff. They would be stacking bodies. I'm not advocating stacking bodies. I'm just highlighting that the Founding Fathers would have been while we drive trucks. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Well, the Washington Post finally did it. They sold out. Some of you are going, Washington Post sold out a long time ago, Casey. What are you talking about? No, no, that's not what I mean. The Washington Post sold out. Here is the actual headline from the Washington Post article that was published earlier this week. You ready? It's time to admit Casey Hendrickson was right. That's crazy, man. I'm getting called out on the Washington Post. That's great. I'm going to be on Tucker Carlson allegedly tomorrow. Somebody just called and asked, hey, Casey, when are you going to be on Tucker Carlson? The truth is I don't know yet. I, <laughs> I keep desperately trying. Here's my here's my worry. They want me in a studio. They're not doing it on Skype. And I'm I'm worried that they're not going to find a studio locally and they're going to have to like ship me to Chicago or something. Uh, and 
obviously there's a real issue with that considering the schedule and all of that stuff. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen. They seem reasonably confident that they can do it in South Bend, but um, I do not know when I will be on, but allegedly I will be on Tucker Carlson tomorrow. We're tentatively scheduled for Wednesday. I just don't know what time. All right. And I don't know where I'm supposed to go to do it or anything like that. Hopefully I'll have more information tonight and can pass it on to you tomorrow. Uh, but the Washington Post, Casey is right. I mean, it doesn't actually say that. But if you read between the lines, that's exactly what it says. The Washington Post finally says mask mandates didn't make much of a difference anyway, unquote. That sounds like Casey was right. It looks like Casey was right. What's that old uh, that old adage? If it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, it's a duck. <laughs> That's what, that one guy who has no sense of humor is really upset about my ego right now. Doesn't have any idea that I'm playing around. So anyway, it looks like there's a bit more to that COVID dam breaking. As we previously reported, this is Red State. Uh, we saw that a new Johns Hopkins mega study said that lockdowns had little effect on COVID mortality. It's actually zero effect, okay? But had so many other devastating effects on people. We, we see even Democratic governors dropping their mask mandates in schools. Uh, of course, Penn Harris Madison dropped their mask mandate last night. The kids will be able to free their smiles, as they say, on Thursday. Now, the latest from the Washington Post has finally concluded, quote, mask mandates didn't make much of a difference. Their title from their news story. Yeah. yeah. Where have I heard that before? I made... I think the best case against mask mandates last year, and it was in, no, not last year, two years ago. It was in August of 2020. August, this is how long we've been dealing with this crap, guys. August of 2020, I did a pass the mic. And at the pass the mic, I went over the mask mandates by country how long those mask mandates were in place, the percentage of the population who adhered to those mask mandates, and the current rising number of COVID cases in all of those countries. And that included the United States of America, by the way. We didn't realize we were dealing with the Delta variant at that point in time. But that was in August of 2020. Now, what was happening at the time is you had Eric Holcomb And a bunch of other people running around going, we beat COVID with our masks. Yes, our mask mandate beat COVID. Eric Holcomb was taking total credit for, at the time, the COVID numbers were dropping in the summertime. And it was, we had dropped below the threshold for epidemic. And we were talking about, look, the epidemic is statistically over. And it'll be interesting to see when they decide to start letting people get back to normal. So you had Eric Holcomb out there going, see, I was right. All of my detractors were wrong. My masks were able to uh, to solve the COVID equation, and we won. Now, of course, I sat there and, and made fun of this. Uh, there was an Associated Press article that said mask mandates basically defeated COVID. And uh, I went over the various New York Times articles talking about how Japan and South Korea had beaten COVID because of the mask mandates. I did all of this at a pass of the mic, which is why you should probably come to pass of the mic because pass the mic is always a good time. You have food, you got drinks, special prices, you hang out at Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill with some awesome people, and I get to yell facts at you. That's kind of what we do. So I did this in August of 2020. 
And I went over all of these countries, including the United States, and I highlighted how the COVID numbers in every single one of those countries were rising, not declining, rising. And I asked a very simple question. Dan Bongino is now getting kind of credit for this, but basically I was asking is, if mass mandates work, why aren't they working? August of 2020. And then I came onto the show that day, and I repeated a lot of what I said at that past the mic on the air that afternoon. And a ton of you hit me up with requests for information, and I had to remind everybody that the Daily Show Prep exists on my website, and you can go there all the time. The reason I did that was to highlight that mask mandates never worked, ever, under any circumstances, not in any country, not in any city, not in any state. And I highlighted the one study, one, because there's only been one that showed mask mandates worked. Only one. No other study in existence says they worked. Now, some of you who are longtime listeners know exactly what I'm about to say, because in August of 2020, guess what happened with that study? They retracted it. Do you know why they retracted it? They retracted it because everywhere in the U.S. that they studied where they thought mask mandates worked at reducing the number of COVID had an increasing number of COVID cases and therefore their data set was complete trash. And they did the right thing and they retracted it and said, our study is no longer valid because of the rise in new cases. That's what you do if you're an actual researcher, ladies and gentlemen. So the Washington Post... All this time later, finally admits what my audience knew in August and earlier of 2020. Welcome to the club, everybody. More coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. MNC News Time is 532. Check out Impress Jewelry Creations. I know many of you got engaged on Valentine's Day yesterday, didn't you? Go get a wedding band that matches that engagement ring. Only the folks at Impress Jewelry Creations can do it the right way. Impress Jewelry Creations. Let them know I sent you. To touch on this story that this is obviously right by my house. I know that we told you that yesterday. Uh, Anytime you have a double homicide in your community, it's always a big deal. But there's an update on what happened in Elkhart with this double murder. The Elkhart County Prosecutor's Office says that the 19-year-old Jose Benitez Tilly, uh, who's a junior, is facing murder and robbery charges as well as abuse of a corpse. Uh, 22-year-old Haley Smith, 37-year-old Dustin Carr were found dead behind the Papa John's restaurant on Casopolis Street on Sunday morning. The affidavit details uh, that the the, uh, suspect confessed to shooting both of them on Saturday night. They were discovered by a co-worker the next morning. Uh, Let's see, the suspect then says that he tried to dispose of both bodies, but he was not able to. He also admitted to stealing Smith's purse and jewelry off of uh, Carr's body, plus cash from the restaurant. He did used to work at the restaurant. That is the connection. Uh, There's been some other things that were admitted to. We have the story on 953MNC.com. They'll go into the details about that. I don't really need to repeat them on the air here. Um, they're obviously awful. But the initial court hearing is set for Thursday. And, you know, it, the good news is is that 
when we found out about this is right next to my house. So we found out about this. Your wife was obviously a little freaked out, um, but he was caught right away. Like the bodies were found the next morning. They went through the surveillance. They saw him on the surveillance camera. They were able to apprehend him. He's now admitted to it and is in custody. So this was a targeted issue. Uh, There's no further danger or risk to the public pertaining to this case. And luckily, the suspect has been apprehended. Uh, And we know that he did it because he's he's admitting it. So there's at least that. The case is uh, not over. Obviously, the prosecution has to happen. The families obviously have to grieve and mourn and our hearts go out to them. It's a a horrible situation. But nonetheless, at least the, uh, the suspect is not at large. So it has been resolved. Um, at least to the point that it can be until there is actual convictions in place. All right. I want to tell everybody, uh, the new show has started. A lot of people are asking how you can watch it. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. Rumble.com slash Casey the host. You can watch the two previous episodes for the second show, which is totally different than this one. You can go see that on Rumble. I also posted to the burningtruth.us, both in podcast and video form, if you would like to listen to it or watch it. That was a question that I had yesterday is, can you get it in audio only? Yes, you can. Wherever you subscribe to my podcast, it will feed through in the exact same feed. I'm not creating a separate feed for it. Making it easy on everybody. The burningtruth.us for daily show prep podcasts and more. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. You get that extra cold air coming into the garage and your eyeballs are all nice and warm from your body heat. Instant fog on your glasses. Instant. Not with X-Fog, though. Don't have to worry about it. Super easy. All right, here's the deal. Uh, TheBurningTruth.us. Make sure you subscribe to my newsletter. It's totally free. New website. Nearly done. Still working on it. Almost there. Big, big changes coming with the new website. But go to TheBurningTruth.us and sign up for that newsletter. Listen to the podcast. Watch the videos. Get the conservative news aggregator. Bill O'Reilly's up next. We'll see you tomorrow.